So we are in this series, just a three-week series. We started last week called Reboot. And the idea is, you know, summer's over. We are getting back into the rhythm of life. And I just want us to kind of pause and take a look at where we've been and rethink about our lives and then kind of restart some things spiritually and take our lives in the direction that would be God-honoring. So last week we talked about um, re, um, reviewing our past, kind of looking where we've been recently um, on a spiritual level and answering the big question, how has my life compared to the life that God envisioned me to have? And I encouraged you this week to just take some time to answer a few questions and to kind of analyze your life from God's point of view. And so this week, we're going to be talking about uh, rethinking our life. And what my prayer is this morning, what I'm hoping to get across is that there needs to be a mind shift in how we look at the life that we are living and the life that we are, um, that we have been given. So the big question for this week is what are my life priorities in light of eternity? And that's a big question. And it's very subjective, I get that. And I wanna wanna just say it right now. My goal today is not to guilt you into doing more stuff. My goal today is to get you on board with what God is trying to get done in your life. And just look at things a little bit differently. On average, we will live to be 78.8 years of age, which is up considerably from several decades ago, but it's actually on the decline the last two years. I'm not saying if you're over 78.8 years of age, you're on borrowed time. I'm just saying that, I'm just saying that it all kind of balances out, right? Uh, but that's on average. So, so here's how we, on average, this is how the American spends their time. 26 years sleeping. Now is not the time. 11 years at a job. 4.8 years socializing with loved ones. You're not going to believe this one. 21 years of our life staring at a screen of some kind. Now let me say, so only 11 years on a job. But 21 years of your life will be spent spent staring at some screen, either your phone, computer, or TV. Eight to 16 hours sitting in traffic. Three years washing clothes. I'm saving a lot of time there. (laughs) I'm not doing that hardly at all. Two years in meetings, really? So my, my point being, so, so we have all this time, and this is what we're doing with it. Work and bills and home maintenance projects and yard work and sports programs and practices and friendships and vacations and deadlines and spouse expectations and client expectations and friendship expectations and leisure time and date nights and play time and supper around the table and church and quiet time of the Lord. And there's just a lot of stuff. That is the busyness of our life. That is, that is what our life looks like. And so here's what I'm hoping to do is, as we learned last week, sometimes you just got to hit the pause button and say, all right, let me look at my life here. Because busy is not always productive, right? 
Busy is not always getting you where you really want to go. And busyness and doing stuff does not always bring the result that you had hoped. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to let's look at life from a different point of view. In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the most well-known sermon that Christ preached. It was called the Sermon on the Mount because he was on a mount sermonizing. And it was like the first time that he really laid out in just one big comprehensive message what the kingdom of heaven could possibly look like here on earth. And so you're familiar with it somewhat, perhaps. You've heard of the Beatitudes. So those Beatitudes, those, those are covered in the Sermon on the Mount. And those are like the first portion of chapter 5 in Matthew. And then you have a couple more chapters there, and he covers 19 different topics in the Sermon on the Mount. And all of them are mental shifts about what the kingdom of God needs to look like here on earth compared to what we thought our life needs to look like here on earth. And what Jesus does in these verses, he just gives us a different way to live, a different way to look at life. And I want to kind of zero in on a few verses here that I think will help us rethink and and reshape how we're living our life. We're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. We call it that because the Lord prayed it, but it was really a model prayer. And it's found in this Sermon on the Mount, about halfway through in chapter 6. And he says, like, you know, And when you pray, this is how I want you to pray. And so it was really a model prayer for us. But what is so beautiful about it is the framework of that gives us an understanding of where our brain needs to be and and how to establish our heart for this kingdom life that Jesus is talking about. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 is like halfway into the prayer. And he says this, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And that just rang a bell with you, didn't it? Like, yeah, okay, okay, now I know where we're going, all right. So, so if we were to say the Lord's Prayer together, this kind of pops up right at the front end of it. And so this is kind of what I've always kind of emphasized when I've been saying the Lord's Prayer, like thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So mentally, that's kind of where I go with this. I'm like, all right, so what I'm thinking of when I think of this portion of the prayer is that I'm praying that God's kingdom will come down to earth, like God's kingdom will be lived out here on earth. That so, so, but let me just do a little bit of a shift here. How about let's look at it this way. How about thy kingdom come? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What that, what, what's significant about this, Eric? Let me tell you what I think is significant about this. I believe that this prayer then, if we look at it this way, changes us. We're not, we're not just looking at this like, God, I just want you to bring your kingdom down here. No. When I say thy kingdom come, thy will be done, I'm personalizing that. And I'm going, okay, this, this forces me to live differently. I'm a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a different king. 
And if I have a different king and I'm not even a citizen here, I live here, but I'm part of a heavenly kingdom, then this prayer changes me. Because sometimes we, we love the bumper sticker, prayer changes things. And I think prayer does change things. But prayer also needs to change us. And I think that if all we ever do is pray to change other things, we're missing the point. Because prayer changes us. And I think that's significant. When we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, do we realize really what we're praying? Because how do you think, <laughs> how do you think God's will is done in heaven? Yeah. Okay, angels, I want you to build me another mansion. Well, let me see if I can fit that in my schedule. Well, I thought today would be a good day to sleep in. I'm sure God will understand if we don't get this done. That's not how things happen in heaven. That's how things happen on earth. Like we take, we take things as suggestions if you have time in your busy schedule. Or if you have enough money left over. Like we take things as suggestions. But if we are really praying, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, then something's got to change about me. I've got to rethink this thing. I've got to, I've got to respond differently to this kingdom life that I'm supposed to be living out here on earth. So rather than just sprinkling a little bit of Jesus in my life, and punching my time card when I come to church. The life that I live needs to be fulfilling what God's purpose is for me to be here. And that takes priority. I'm pretty sure that in heaven, things happen exactly the way God wants them to happen. On time, every time. That's God's kingdom. And that's the kingdom we're praying for here on earth. (laughs) You're like, just for the record, I have never prayed that. (laughs) You should. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a big deal. This literally is a mind shift. You're looking at things differently. You're thinking, you're rethinking life. Because here's what, this is a prayer of submission. I bow my heart. I bow my head. This is a prayer of submission on earth as it is in heaven. And what I love about where God put this in Scripture, so you have this is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And then, and then when, you, when you go beyond this prayer, then what Jesus begins to deal with is some practical relationships that we have about forgiving each other. And then he goes into the anxiety that we feel in life to have our needs met. How we worry about whether or not we're going to have clothes to wear or or food to eat. And he addresses that, that our priority needs to be the kingdom of heaven and let God take care of the rest. And he succinctly addresses that in verse 33 of this same chapter. We're in Matthew 6, 33, a relatively famous verse. He says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom that we were just praying for. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But seek ye first that same kingdom that we were just praying for. Seek it first. And then here's the beautiful thing. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Wow, okay. So in other words, if I prioritize God's kingdom, if I respond to his will the way they do in heaven, then all these things will be added unto me. Man, that makes it easy. Well, it makes it simple. It's not easy. So here's the truth. Everybody is seeking something. But what I'm afraid is, is, is I think that we're seeking the wrong stuff because we're seeking stuff. But what God promises is that, that, that we'll, if we seek his kingdom and his will, then the stuff happens on its own. Like God just take, he the illustration that he gives is like, you know, even the birds of the air. They don't worry about where their next meal is going to come from. And God takes care of them. He even, he's, even the flowers in the field, they're beautiful. And God takes care of them. Surely he can take care of you. And he says, don't even take thought for tomorrow. That's just crazy talk. Right? That's just crazy talk. Like you don't even want me to, yeah, Jesus is saying, I got it. I believe we need to be responsible, okay? You should have a savings account. You should be starting retirement. I get all of that. That's not where I'm going with this, okay? I'm just saying that that's not what you should be worrying about. That's not where your anxiety ought to be coming from. And I'll be calling, this is just me being, that's on a different level. So one of my best friends is a missionary in China. His name is Kevin Connor. We support him. He was here a couple of years ago, and we were talking about, you know, he lives pretty humbly. And I asked him, I said, Kevin, you're my friend. I mean, are you, oh, are you set up for retirement? Like, are you, do you have plans and He's like, oh, no, I'm just, he said, he said, we'll see what happens. I'm like, Kevin, man, you, you know, and I know there's this balance, right, but I'm struggling with this because I'm his friend. I'm like, what, where are you going with this? Like, what happens when you can't work anymore? He's like way older than I am, like 53 or something. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be thinking about this stuff, right? You got to be, he goes, he goes, listen, Eric, I am busying myself doing God's work. And I truly believe that God will take care of me. That's a different level. And he's not an irresponsible person. He trusts the Lord. And I just feel like we, we create a lot of anxiety for ourselves because we're looking for the wrong stuff. We are not seeking his kingdom first. We're seeking all of this other peripheral stuff and then when we do find it, it really doesn't make us happy anyway. And you never save enough anyway. And it still breaks down and wears out. It's just stuff. 
here's the beauty. So, so in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That word abundantly means like overflowing, enough to share. Like this life that you live, it ought to be just so incredible that you just want to share with everybody. That's the kind of life, that's the abundance that God wants you to have. And I believe you're, I believe you're good people. I really do. I, I believe that we try and do what's right by our families. I think we're nice to other people. I think we have good intentions for our families and, and, and providing for our children. I think you work hard. But if you're going to strive to attain happiness and satisfaction, let's expend our effort on stuff that's actually going to work and not leave us wishing that we had done something different. Because you can be very sincere and still be very sincerely wrong. I think we just need to rethink this thing called life. And I think we need to seek first his kingdom. So how do I know if I'm seeking first his kingdom? This is going to be really difficult. How do I know if in my heart of hearts I am seeking God's kingdom first? Simple test. Ray Pritchard. So anytime I don't want to be the one that's telling you something like this, I use somebody else's quote. (laughs) That's for real. So Ray Pritchard says this. He says this. He says, tell me how you spend your time and your money, and I'll tell you what you're seeking. Your time and your money don't lie. Here's the quote, show me your calendar and your checkbook and I'll show you and I'll know the truth about your priorities. See, he said it. I didn't say it. He said it. How do you know if you're seeking the kingdom of God first? Show me your checkbook and show me your calendar. Where are you spending your money and where are you spending your time? That's your priorities. That's tough. But listen, oh man, I read this quote. Every truth about God is disruptive. Seek, let that sink in. Every truth about God is disruptive. It ought to fundamentally change the way you live. He's God. It ought to disrupt some things. It ought to make you feel like, like man, I gotta, I, that, that's, that's too much, Eric. That's too heavy. Good, he's God. It ought to do something to you. It ought to make you think that you're not really doing enough. It ought to make, he is God. I know, I know he doesn't make sense. He's God. Abraham Lincoln said this, most people are about as happy as they want to be. In other words, we are the way we are because that's the way that we want to be. I don't think you're lazy. I think you work hard. I don't think you're unwise. I think that we are just busy misdirecting many of our efforts. (laughs) Like the professor on Gilligan's Isle. Right? You're like, okay, what is it? So, The guy could make diesel fuel out of banana peels. He could make a chocolate shake out of seaweed, but he couldn't fix the hole in the boat. 
If he would have just fixed the hole in the boat, they could have left the island. We're busy making milkshakes. You see what I'm saying? We are busy doing stuff that doesn't matter. Seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added unto you. Fix the hole in your boat. Do something that really matters. Thomas Akempa said this. He said, seek God, not happiness. That is so succinct. Seek God, not happiness. We have it backwards. We seek, <laughs> we seek happiness and hope to have God thrown in as a bonus. Like, I'm so glad you're here. But if this is all of God that you get during the week, I feel sorry for you. But this is what I got out of the Bible this week. You need to get your own stuff out of the Bible. Right? You're, you're just getting what I've already got. And I'm glad you're here. But this should not be all you get of God during the week. So when, you, when, you, when, when all you do is seek your own happiness and hope to have God kind of sprinkled in there, you end up with neither happiness or satisfaction. The paradox of the gospel is this, that if you will seek God, you will find him. And when you find him, you'll get all the happiness you were seeking for as well. Isn't that beautiful? We are Christ followers. We have to rethink life. It's time to hit the restart button. We got, we got to do something different. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We are supposed to be seeking God and his kingdom here on earth. Here's a beautiful promise. Still, Matthew chapter 7, the last third of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this beautiful promise. And when you, I've never done this before. I've never tied it in with Matthew 6, about seeking first the kingdom of God. But look what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. What? Seek, and ye shall what? Find. If you seek the kingdom of God, you'll find the kingdom of God. Knock and it shall be opened unto you for every one that asks receives. And he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. But we're not knocking. We're not seeking. We're not asking. We're busy. We're busy doing stuff to get things. And then we die. And then we die. And all of our stuff and all of our things stay here. And as a kingdom dweller, we have the opportunity to seek those things which are above and to seek a different kingdom and fulfill the will of God here on earth and keep doing that when we get to heaven. It doesn't have to change, just your location does. If you seek his kingdom, you will find it.
and then you'll find everything else you're looking for as well. So here's a few questions for you. A few questions for rethinking your life from Matthew chapter 6. The first question is this, am I living like a citizen of a heavenly kingdom? Now, that, that's a loaded question. I get it. But am I living like, like I'm really not part of this kingdom? Like I'm really a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. I have a different king, right? My citizenship is in heaven. My life ought to look different. We have a different set of rules. There ought to be a difference. Am I living like a citizen of a heavenly kingdom? Number two, do I really want God's will to be done in my life? Careful here. Do I really want God's will to be done in my life? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want your will to be done in my life. I want your will to be done here on earth. But remember, every truth about God is disruptive and designed to create a fundamental shift in how we do life. Do we really want what God wants? Or do we want just enough of God to make my life pain-free? So here's, here's some logic, all right? So I believe God wants what's best for me. But do you believe that about yourself? Like, like God wants what's best for me. All right, so if I truly believe that God wants what's, wants what's best for me, now it may not look the way you think, in a, <laughs> what, what God's best for you may be not Bob's best for you. No offense, Bob. But God's best for Eric may not be what Eric thinks is best for Eric. But I believe that what God's best is for me really is best for me. So I believe that God's best for me is good for me. All right, so I believe that God wants what's best for me. So let me ask you, so if I want God wants, if I want what God wants, then I want what's best for me. So you discovered my secret. It's a very selfish prayer. When I say, God, I want what you want in my life, you know what I'm really saying? God, I believe that you want what's best for me. So if I want what you want, then that means it's gonna be what's best for me. So do you really want what God wants or do you just want what you want? Which probably is not best and is not gonna satisfy you or bring you happiness. You know what I'm talking, I mean, like you get a new pair of shoes and they wear out and now you want another pair of shoes. You get a new car, you couldn't wait, you get it, you drive it for a year and now you're ready for another one. It's like, it's just, there's nothing that we work for that really, you never have enough. It's like there's always something else. That's just the, it's, and I don't, I, I like nice things. And I like you to have nice things. I rejoice with you when you get a pay raise. I love it when you get a new car. And I mean this with all my heart. Good for you. Like, not those kind of good for you. But I mean, really, like, good for you. I'm happy for you. I really believe, I mean, I really feel that. I'm happy for you when you succeed in life. Just don't pile all your expectations on that. Allow that to be something that God does for you, but seek his kingdom first. And thirdly, how am I spending my time and money like Ray Pritchard said? I don't want to see your checkbook. I don't want you to show me your calendar app. I just want to know 
that you know that this is true. Where you're spending your money and where you spend your time is what you're seeking after. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. This ought to make a difference in your life. I don't want you coming to church just to learn more stuff. I want you coming to church to learn truth that changes your life. I read this this week. We are not on a quest for Bible knowledge. We are on a quest to embrace the truth and live as though it is true. Man, what a statement. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, right? We need knowledge. We need to know what's going on. We, we need to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. That's what the Bible says. But on the same token, if that's all it is for you is just learning more, more facts and more knowledge, you become like a stagnant pond where you have this influx of water, but it doesn't go anywhere. You don't do anything with it, so you just become stagnated and gross. And you just sit and sour. You just like you become gripey, you just become unhappy, and you just, but you know more Bible than everybody else, but you're not doing anything with it. The truth is not changing you. You're not living like what you're learning really is true. How am I spending my time and my money? And if we prioritize our calendar, and if we prioritize our checkbook, then I think we are starting to understand what it means to seek the kingdom of God. So here's this week's homework, and we're done. Make a list. <clears throat> Pretty simple. Make a list. Act like God is real. Make a list. What should your priorities in life be? Now, if you need to make a list of what your current priorities are, that's great, but make a list of what your priorities in life should be from God's point of view. The more we act like God is real, the more real he will seem to us. So act like God is real in your life and make a list of what your priorities should be. And then number two, make decisions. So once you make the list, Take a look at us. All right, here are the decisions that I need to make. God is disruptive. God's going to shake your cart. God's going to move your nice, neat life around. He is going to readjust the way that you're thinking about life. I want to emphasize my goal is not to guilt you into doing more stuff. But I believe this, you should do what you are doing with more intention. Like this is why I come to church. This is why I give. This is why I work. Your work is just an opportunity for you to provide a living so you can live for God. Your life doesn't revolve around your work. That is a necessary thing that you do to provide a living. Do all to the glory of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this, For whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So whatever you are doing, do it with intention. Do it for the Lord. 
I think what God is trying to do, he's trying to, <laughs> he's trying to trade up. Like he's trying to get you to realize that, that, that what you have and the way that we're living our life is not as good as it can be, and he's willing to trade up with you. Like this self-focused life that you live, trade it for a God-focused life. And what does God think about my life? So that you can enjoy life with him. And then all these things will be added unto you. Rethink your life. Now, what we're going to cover next week, it's going to be called restart. So what I'd like to do next week is just to say, okay, so that's all good stuff, and I think you need to do your homework. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here is going to be next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for how clear Scripture seems to be. And help us not to just learn it. Help us just not to see it, but help us to do it. And help us to allow you to disrupt our lives. And help us to seek first your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.